0: You are listening to the Evolution Exchange podcast, a platform that we've created to bring the Nordic community together. My name is Paul Hackett, and I'm your host. So introducing the next podcast for the Evolution Exchange. Today, we will be discussing roadmapping to success through product vision and strategy in the gaming industry. So let's start with a round of introductions. Uh, Start from the top. So Max, could you uh, go first?
1: Yeah, yeah. Happy to do so, Paul. Uh, So I'm Max Wells. I'm currently product owner at uh, Avalanche in Stockholm. I'm the product owner for the uh, backend suite of services that the company uses to deliver uh, player online services for games. I've been in the role for a year. Prior to that, I was a product owner in another company, Paradox, where Anna is from, uh, also on the podcast. Uh, there, I was a uh, product owner for a couple of games, Imperator Rome and Crusader Kings 3. And prior to that, still, I was at EA slash DICE, where I also cross paths with Luis and Marias, also on a podcast, Small Industry in And there, I served four years as developer relations basically between the backend and online services team located in the US and Canada and or studios in uh, Europe. And prior to that, I was doing some other things in other industries like the telecom and uh, business software. That's me in a nutshell. Fantastic.
0: Uh, Anna, you next.
2: Sure. Um, Hey everybody. I'm Anja. I'm Publishing Producer at Products Interactive, as was already mentioned. I'm there for a year and a half already. I have um, project management background, uh, starting in uh, mobile uh, industry and then moving to PC and consoles. So like, as PM and producer uh, later, I was mostly focusing on uh, delivering the on the project's goals, basically, right? Ensuring that we are on scope and budget on time, so to say, and we're still keeping to the the reasonable constraints, delivering still the great games. Um, At Paradox, my main areas of responsibilities are actually also about ensuring we're keeping up to the uh, goals and vision actually this more includes like high-level goals because we're working with them teams directly and our job is to yeah um, keep a keep the vision keep strategy like well formulated and uh, yeah communicated to teams basically that's why um, I'm super looking into uh, having this conversation I think it will be really really good and uh, this is something that I do pretty much day to day like I mean either helping to to uh, shape the uh, vision on the projects or actually executing on it. So, yeah, thank you for having me.
0: By all means. Uh, Luis, you're up.
3: Hey, yes. Um, hi, everyone. Uh, so my name is Luis, and um, I am right now the uh, head of the status franchise, as franchise director, <laughs> different titles. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's sort of like a general manager role for. Uh, everything related to horses that we are doing at the status table um for for our girls uh our audience uh before that i've been in games uh, all my life basically i've been doing this for too long and uh <laughs> many yeah ma- many different companies so i'm not going to um bore you with that and um, my background is uh, uh engineering so i was a developer then became a producer then i've done other things so i've been like everything like a coach uh, a, i don't know it's strategies that done many different things and uh, yeah i also think this conversation looks very promising uh, looking forward to hearing everyone thank you for having me
0: fantastic and uh, last but not least uh matthias Thanks, Paul. Uh, yeah, I'm
4: Matthias Widmark. Uh, I'm a director of product management uh, at the Frostbite team at the EA, uh, and maybe most of you know that uh, Frostbite is EA's uh, internal game engine used for for the vast majority of the HD titles, at least. Uh, and being a director of product manager management means I have a product manager that can report to me. Uh, so through my reports, I'm covering rendering, UI, uh, engineering workflows slash CI, which is Kind of bit weird. It's not part of the game engine, but uh, we have internal products for that, uh, as well as part of the core engine, most notably the, the 3D editor that our content creators use. Uh, I also have an, another product hat. It's called product operations. It's kind of a new product hat, but it does exist out there in the industry. And yes. one part of that job is uh, responsibility for operationalizing uh, strategy. So I think that the conversation today will be very, very interesting. And, uh, for me, uh, when I have that hat on, I'll maybe take something from today uh, into my job. And, uh, I've been at EA for 12 years, I started out as an engineer, uh, building a train system, and then uh, realized it's quite fun to make the customers happy. So I started uh, as a product owner for the for train system, and then a product manager for the, the entire rendering team, and now I'm the director of product management. So I'm doing a background, but I really really enjoy making people happy uh, and that's what you do as a product manager in my opinion. Well, I have to mention you need to make some people unhappy as well, otherwise it
0: doesn't add up. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. All right, so let's uh, kick off with the first question. So following from you Matthias there. So your question last point was roadmaps lead to success, but they can lock teams down and work against and creativity and empowerment for the developers. So how do you balance these two conflicting needs? Uh, Randomly point at Max to start this one off, by all means.
1: Yeah, all right. Uh, So yeah, how to reconcile the the, the needs of the roadmap, make people happy, and make sure the creativity of the team can still stay there in the picture. yeah, I mean, first the roadmap is going to be the the items, the the goals, the big things, right? There's still a lot of space for the engineers, I guess, to chime in on how those things are accomplished, uh, which can be an area where you can let the people express their, their thoughts. I think also roadmaps are never as detailed that there is really a full uh, set in stone ways to do things or the scope, which I guess is behind the elements of the roadmap. Uh, is that perhaps one way to address it? Or is also perhaps one way to weave in the roadmap, some items that are coming from the creative, your team by creating some buy-in in your stakeholders to kind of get them excited and then sort of convince them that they want those things to be in a roadmap kind of couple of angles there, or how do you see those things? And that's an interesting thing also on the podcast is that we have, I think, two people who are kind of working on games and their maps and two people working more on central text, whether it's engine or the server. So we have kind of different stakeholders, customers, and public for stuff as well, which I find quite exciting for the discussion. Um... Yeah, so feel free
0: to jump in.
3: I can jump in. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with you, and I also think that is interesting. I, I, I do believe that it depends a bit on the, the area that you are working on, and, and also, um, for me, an interesting part of this question is the uh, road to success. So, what success looks like? Uh, it can be uh, different things uh, depending on where you are, and. and and how that success is defined. So uh, usually separate release plans from roadmaps and from development plans. So roadmaps being a reflection of a strategy basically. And if we can actually have something that feels, that is outcome-based, so it's it's, okay. So uh, what is uh, success looks like um, can be a bit vague but you can still, describes some like I don't know changes that have to happen in order to get somewhere uh, to your to your vision or whatever it is that you are actually pointing to um, then the the how those things are done and actually the what is actually done can be open uh, but when it comes to content for example I, I work with teams that are delivering content for a live service so um, it's um, it's more based on time horizons so i like to believe that if it's if i'm looking at the next 3 months i want to that has to be locked but if i'm looking at longer time horizons then that is less definitely less prescriptive it's more of like what is the idea there and then that creativity can be it can happen uh to put those items in there and and then the, the closer that we get to uh, to the dates then we can refine
4: basically yeah yeah i asked that question and uh, i was kind of hoping to get the answers i've heard so far uh but i mean i think we need roadmaps i mean this entire podcast is called roadmap to success it's much easier to have success if you know how map that road to it but uh, i think uh, as the previous speakers have said that we should the roadmap should set the strategic direction and it should be written in terms of goals and results that you want to achieve, uh, but then leave it to the team to figure out the solutions or the, the features or the technology or whatever that is needed to reach those results. I think that's can overall the the way to approach the problem.
2: Yeah. I yeah, actually can echo to that uh, because I mean in publishing we are not the like the main people who are actually building the roadmaps for our teams like our goal is mainly to be focused on high level and on goals like on vision actually and strategy rather than roadmaps and I agree that it depends on the team like how they want to use the roadmap and how it's going to look like and uh, uh, how much space do want to leave there for um, like actually pivoting, you know, on creativity, I think. Uh, for us, I mean, and for me, actually, like, uh, like judging by what I see, uh, my work, I think like leaving the space for creativity is very important and actually, um, you know, acknowledging that this is a very important stage in the development is one of the steps to actually ensure that this creativity is not lost in a way. And uh, like, I mean, like one way to do it could be actually like, you know, uh, declaring that uh, there are certain steps, like stages in the project development, like a you know, pre production, let's say, where a certain like discovery mode is allowed and even welcomed and no harsh planning is needed. Like, there is still room to pivot some things and to choose where to go, what direction to choose. Uh, and yeah, just no like there is no like uh, like obligation right to to build some extensive planning so to say um yeah and uh, i think that i mean you can imagine the scale so to say so that uh, in pre-production uh one like the the tip of the scale should be leaning a bit towards like in a way to creativity and, like, I don't know, when you enter production stage, where obviously like there are many commitments and you need to be more focused on what you want to achieve and basically execute on what you've already chosen, like what to what to chase like this um, the scale should be tipping uh, a bit to the production, right? I mean, I like this analogy because it shows that this is a um somewhat an ongoing process you know of balancing things and depending on a project depending on your vision depending on your strategy this balance can be different all the time right and um yeah uh i think uh i i think really ensuring that you are doing this case by case so to say and you're still providing the room and you're acknowledging the importance of being creative uh and uh you're giving the space to pivot things like this is like the way to go in a way
4: Yeah. Uh, on uh, since we're an internal tech team, we don't have that. Uh, uh, I mean, pre-production, production, uh, ship uh, division of work. So we have a more continuous model. Uh, so I, the challenge is a bit different for us, but the, the solution is in a way it's the same in the philosophy. We need to have. I mean, over time, room for both. That there needs to be blocked out time where IDs can be tested and proven out. Uh, I think one interesting case uh, is uh, the hair technology that we we have at FIFA now, for example. You might have noticed it's one of the back of the box features. Uh, That originated from one of those IDs that come through this uh, track we have. Uh, Engineers get to do whatever they want one week uh, per quarter. So it's actually a pretty generous program, I think. but uh, the interesting thing here is the, as soon as you tried it out, someone has this ID and it's like, holy crap, th- this is going to be very good if we can pull it off. Then uh, your ID hits the roadmap. That's where it becomes complicated because everyone is subscribed already potentially to features that are committed to other game teams. And so you also need to, to back that free time uh, w- with a willingness to, to kind of fight for the best ideas. Uh, to have them added to the roadmap and make some trade-offs and yeah, we really believe in this idea, so we're going to make product out of it.
2: Yeah, a certain level of Yeah, like, that kind of
1: ties with... We...
2: Yeah, sure, go ahead. Oh, please, uh, Anja, yeah, go. <laughs> uh, yeah, I just no, wanted to add right, that actually right. the uh, certain level of creativity is uh, like allowed, I think, on a later stage as well, like who knows, right? Uh, I mean, if we are... Uh, speaking about core loops and uh, i don't know some foundations of the games probably this is uh something more important to lock mm-hmm. in earlier uh also to um also for actually other, other departments i mean uh discipline departments for the uh, in a company but when it comes to some smaller tweaks and uh you know like touches well you might be open for that even at later stages why not
0: Yeah. Max, were you going to jump in there? I think you might be just lagging slightly.
1: Yeah, I seem to be lagging uh, a couple <laughs> seconds. But, it happens. Uh, yeah, I would know what Matthias said, I think, reminded me kind of uh, tied in well with what Luis was saying as well, where the, when you go further into the roadmap, then yeah, it's more susceptible to change, so you kind of have that time to come up with new ideas, maybe coming out of a hackathon, like what Matthias was describing, where all of a sudden you can say, oh, yeah, OK, or we could use this time, this bucket of time somewhere, my rectangle in my slide. We could do something else that's super exciting instead. Or you can also you know, take the time to start thinking, investigating, and, and describing more what this future activity would be and have that kind of area uh, of time ahead of the, of the work in your roadmap to help the creative juice uh, flowing.
0: Yeah, fantastic. Matthias, you're happy with um, everything from that? Do you think you'll take any of these pointers and use them yourself? Or is it more reinforcing ideas and practices that you've already got in place? Uh, I mean, there's always the conflict between
4: uh, how detailed you want the roadmaps to be. And the thing I take away from here is uh, that there is some support, this group at least, for for the idea of not making a detail uh, the roadmap overly detailed and leave room for creativity, uh, but still have the roadmap is important. So I'll, I'll take
0: away that support from this group.
3: Yeah.
0: Fantastic. Well, I'll move us on to the next question, which is, <clears throat> pardon me, uh, Anna's question. So more on the lines of how can you define what a uh, good product vision and strategy looks like? Um, Lewis? let's uh, kick off with you on this one. Mm-hmm.
3: On this uh, very broad question, Anna, <laughs> <laughs> <You> Indeed. <laughs> um, uh, yes. Sorry,
0: Anna, if you'd like to give some uh, context around what you're looking to get out of that question as well, so this uh, can have a pointer of where yeah. to start.
2: Yeah, sure. Uh, well, yeah, I agree that this is a broad question, but I think this also allows for getting like, as much opinions as possible, right? Like mm-hmm. inputs, and how we see actually what is good vision and strategy. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, when I saw the topic, like, yeah, there are like three items there mentioned, like roadmaps, like uh, visions and strategy, right? Uh, those are actually sure. very different, and they're like uh, interconnected and complement each other in a like uh, in a different way, so to say. Uh, like. I work at publishing, so for me, actually, vision and strategy are kind of the first priority because, again, this is something that we try to get in alignment as early as possible. And this is some depth. Some foundation that we build everything on, like even roadmaps that we discussed last, uh, like during the last yeah. question, right? So uh, the question about what is actually a good vision, how uh, like we can ensure that this can be a good and valuable tool to use for us, like for communication and for executing on plans, is like very, very uh, important. Actually, this is like not just page presentation for me because this is something that I, I really uh, need to uh, stick to. This. Is Something that helps me to uh, understand the foreign track and uh, even assess the games actually and discuss the games, like uh, like make informed decisions, so to say. So it would be really really interesting to get input uh, from you guys about what you think as a good vision. Maybe there's a you know even a tricky question like. Uh, maybe there's not such a thing like as good vision or strategy. Maybe like we, like if there is a vision and I don't know, like we, it's existed and people sure. share it, it's already good. I don't know, like, so what do you think about that? Um,
3: yeah, um, I actually, I think um, vision and strategy, they they usually are very, for me, they're very really loaded words. So I try, actually, sometimes I try to remove it from my vocabulary because um, they tend to be this thing is like, Oh, do you have a vision? Do you have a strategy? And, and the people understand different things by them. So, um, actually I've been, uh, in places where, um, we didn't really have a vision. So it's been, uh, working with leaders. It's like, okay, if you're starting with your vision, then tell me a story. So I want to hear how your company, your product is going to change the world. It's just, it's what, um, Maybe we were saying earlier is about uh, how are we going to make people happy. So it's obviously there is some positive effect that we're trying to achieve. So what is that? But um, you I, I, you can use there are many different templates out there for vision and. I don't like any of them. So (laughs) I'm just like, tell me, tell me, tell me a good story and and forget the templates uh, or use the templates to tell me like, yeah, the bullet points, but then I want to hear something inspiring. I um, I want even like to take it, you know, up a notch, like tell me like Something that is going to blow me away because that is that is actually what I need in order to commit. I I want to commit in this journey and and I want you to take me with you. Um, it's very very powerful when you have a narrative like it's, it's like that visualization that the same message can be completely different. Uh, we uh, we recently uh, Star Stable just celebrated the tenth anniversary and and we actually took the opportunity to. Um, recreate. So it's the same vision, but we have actually um added like a, a new narrative to it. As, um, and it's also because of where we are as a company. Uh, it's not longer possible to <laughs> communicate the vision um in a tribal way and expect that people will like understand and remember. So we wanted to do it in a way that uh felt inspiring but also memorable. So it's been, it's, and it's more of a storytelling. So we uh, we have actually asked our leaders to become storytellers and, and 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 be able to narrate the vision that we have for the company, uh, which trickles down to, for example, my franchise or the products in the franchise. Um, yeah. The um, then when it comes to strategy, um, I think that is that's even worse than the vision <laughs> so like it means different thing for different things for everyone but um I, for uh so like for me basically is um it's not really a plan so some, a lot of people think about the strategies a plan it's not a plan is it's, it's not a development plan it's not a release plan so i really really separate that as i mentioned before um what um what I want is uh, for it to be uh, something that helps us making decisions so the that it helps people uh, align in towards the vision so is how are we going to make this a reality uh, there is um um uh, somebody came up with this example of um if, uh, it's, it's based on remote, but basically the the idea that uh, you get a diagnose, and then you get a policy, and then you get uh, an action, and then the action is not the strategy, it's the combination of all of things, and that can be very vague to explain. So I, also, I usually tell people, if you're sick and you need um, antibiotics, um, and you get a recipe for a specific brand of them. Then the, the the recipe is not your strategy. It's the fact that you need antibiotics. So how, what does mean? What that means for us, is that the um, the plants can change, and the strategy um, is is sort of like guiding that thinking about what those plans can be. Uh, and there are many many ways. So, sorry, I'm making this too long. So I'm going to jump to someone else. Um, <laughs>
4: Uh, yeah I think uh, we said it pretty well Uh, I think a common denominator that helps with especially the strategy part to to resolve both making it a decision-making tool and uh, making sure that I mean it actually has impact Uh, it's not just some deck somewhere that some execs talk about is to make uh, all, all the the, the goals on the the strategy outcome based so we talk when we talk strategy we don't talk about build a feature or build something we talk about delivering a result and the result should be made valuable to the company there must be a reason why we. Uh, want to build it and uh, the idea, then, is that this result can be pretty stable over time, while the dev teams can try out many different ideas, maybe five. Out of six ideas fail, but then the, the vision and strategy stands as a lighthouse. So you don't give up uh, because the sixth id you try will actually be the right one, and now you can reach the results. Then that's the big difference with it, with a roadmap. I think uh, a roadmap has some execution, and you could either succeed or or fail. And if you fail, you have nothing. You just lost without guidance. And uh, that's uh, uh, how I see it.
1: Yeah, I very much agree with what Marius and Luis said. I think uh, a big challenge in coming up with a good vision and a good strategy is kind of the articulation of a vision into a strategy, into some actions and avoiding the confusion between all of those. Uh, It is very easy to uh, promote an action as a strategy or even worse, a vision. I don't think it's necessarily a gaming industry issue. I think I've uh, seen examples of that in other companies, in other fields. Uh, And it can be quite um, quite problematic, of course, because then you you, you focus on the the too narrow or the very specific and forget the bigger picture and the why you are doing those things and where you're going with it. The opposite is also true. It is easy to have a fairly high level vision that doesn't actually trickle into the different teams or divisions into strategies that will help achieve that that larger vision for the organization. and and that, that one is fairly easy to to recognize rapidly because that, that goes to, uh, I think what you were saying also on the usability is like, can I take that vision or that strategy and use it for something? Can I make a decision with it or is it so vague or so specific that I can't really use it, in a, you know, looking at my backlog to figure out what to do next? Can I or, you know, if I have a decision between A and B? can I use that vision or the strategies we have established as an organization to figure out what's the best for what, what will produce the best outcome. If if the things are too vague or way too fine-grained, then you know you can't do that and that you probably need to go back to the drawing board, which is necessary, but can be quite disruptive, of course. Um, yeah. I see this? Yeah. Uh, please, Mathias.
4: Uh No, that, that part is super important. Uh... The the research strategy needs to be a We need to dare to say what we are not doing. If we have a strategic direction that says make everyone happy, uh, like maybe there's some usability issue for content creators, and the strategy is just fix the usability issue, uh, and then basically anything we do is going to improve the usability. Uh, if you're working on, I mean, workflows, so that it doesn't help. It doesn't direct you, uh, and you never know when you're finished either because that doesn't tell you what success looks like i mean you can always improve usability uh so it's also important to to acknowledge that when you set the strategic direction there is something that you're saying you're not going to do and then you have to stand by that and defend that and ideally and that's something we're trying to set up where we work now is to have a bit of a strategic roadmap so that instead of saying no, we can't do this other stuff, even though it's super important, we, what if we can stage it and have focus shifts over the years? So maybe next year we're going to switch more into that that other strategy, because hopefully we'll reach the results. Uh, that's another uh, large-scale strategy problem, I guess, we're trying to address. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that,
1: yeah. That reminds me a bit like this idea of negatives uh in the strategy and the vision reminds me of a, there is a pm on twitter called shoyas Doshi that does post quite a lot of interesting and insightful bits not from the industry again but it's like what happens when you take the opposite vision or the opposite strategy that you have does that lead you to different choices if so then it's probably a good one because it brings you something and that is kind of the corollary to okay what does the vision strategy mean we are not doing and is that conscious choice and discussion is that well uh Registered by everyone in the room that you know we are not doing these things, because then the reason is strategy and mission, and we could have a different mission a vision and strategy and made different decisions. But uh, sorry, I think Adia, you also wanted to say something here.
2: Uh, no, I think that those are really, really great inputs, and, uh, I think that at the end of the day, yeah, I agree with those that, um, many people, many companies can call vision and strategy different things and it's important that everybody figures out their own like uh road to success so to say um i would say that the good project vision vision in the end of like at the end of the day should guide you right should uh, be like a help and uh support and making right decisions like keeping everybody focused on right things so to say uh like Really, like as was also mentioned, like uh, do this natural and logical transition into strategy and roadmaps, not confuse everybody. And uh, this also leads me to the thought that probably a good vision is a uh, shared vision, actually, when um, people are aligned and when people have a chance to uh, challenge it, to talk about it. Um, like, I don't know, do a workshop t- together, like with many people involved. like in production, for example, and just, you know, uh, drag some ideas from everybody. But like, I mean, you can do like whatever way you uh, feel comfortable with, but it's important that you find your way to communicate these things and uh, uh, gather feedback and uh, make sure that people are aligned of these things. Because I think uh, if that only small circle of people are uh having a good understanding of these things right and nobody else is involved this can lead potentially to uh many other problems like a snowball actually so yeah i would say like uh, uh making it a shared effort is one of the keys to make it uh crisp uh like reliable in a way so yeah
0: fantastic i mean you know for such a broad question you've hit the nail on the head i think you guys on are so uh fantastic moving us on to the next one we'll go over the max's question now um which is how does the need of using a roadmap as a communication channel impact it, impact its content and its form today for you uh max give some uh, context around that one for the group
1: yep yeah, I can do that. I can tie it a bit in the I would say the place where we left off the question of Medias and the place where we just left off the question of Anya. Uh, so you have a roadmap, you will use it uh, you know, to talk to your team, to the devs that will be working on those things. You will, you know, kind of rally the troops around that. But you're also using that to communicate to other people, right? If you are working on a game team, now it has become kind of a thing lately for game teams and studios to communicate their roadmap to the players, uh, for mostly for live games, live service games. Uh, CD Projekt right has been doing that with Cyberpunk. We have Square Enix also doing that for their Marvel Avengers game. Quite a number of games are doing that, right? Uh, and for people not on game teams like Maria and I, you do communicate those roadmaps to internal stakeholders, other the game teams execs and so on. Um, how? how how does the fact that you're going to be communicating those things impact kind of how you present it? Like, if you're going to be presenting your roadmap as a game to your players, what do you surface? You know, how detailed are you? Kind of to go back to an earlier discussion. How aspirational are you? How much are you teasing? How how would you approach that? And also, what does that mean when you're not really presenting to players, but to an exec, let's say, how much teasing do you want to do with uh, those folks? Very
0: nice. Matthias, do you want to... um... I remember having the pre-podcast call with you. You said you really liked this one, so I'll let you uh, start off with uh, answering. Maybe that's a mistake. Uh, yeah, a mistake. <laughs> you dropped so, yourself in it now.
1: <laughs> yeah. uh, Man of impeccable taste, Matthias. Yeah,
0: uh, yeah I mean, we, we
4: the uh, Frostbite roadmap has two major groups of audiences. It's the uh, uh, the users of the engine. So I, I mean, this is a complete annual workflow. So we have uh, thousands of uh, content creators using it. Uh, and what they really want, I think, out of the roadmap is to to be inspired, uh, look forward to what's coming for them. And uh, uh, I think uh, inspiring them is a bit about, if you've seen uh, Unreal or Unity now as well, The roadmap, the public Mm -hmm. roadmaps, they're they're tile based with animated GIFs and quite uh, interesting for for content creators, uh, actually. So we need those kind of roadmaps. The success there is measured in, like, do we actually deliver these features that people were hoping and dreaming for or not? Uh, But then we have a data group, which is more senior stakeholders and business leaders of various sorts within the company ranging from producers and technical directors heads of tech and uh content leaders and these people uh they are or should i say should be uh, because uh, sometimes there is learning but they should be more interested in the results as in if they have a team of content creators that are unhappy with some usability they would like the team to not be unhappy anymore uh, but feel more creative and produce better games uh, and the, the the progress of such a roadmap is measured in completely different terms. It's, I mean, if you have objective results, for example, it's the how you move on the on the results. And those are so different. It's like comparing apples and oranges. So it's very hard to combine a feature-based roadmap with a more strategic results-based roadmap. Uh, we're trying, uh, I shouldn't speak too much here let others, but uh, our, our main, uh, the, the main approach here we're taking is having hierarchical roadmaps. So uh, we start with the vision at the top, which is broken down into uh, I mean, strategic themes and strategic objectives, and then we break that down into what's called initiatives, uh, and then features, and then finally user stories. And depending on the audience, you can go in at different levels of this, uh, this big hierarchy that we built. Uh, and still, in a way, have one roadmap,
3: but uh, different layers very nice i I really um I mean, I really like your approach. Uh, I think uh, I can explain a bit what we do. Uh, it's a different scale, so <laughs> like it's not uh, obviously we are not serving a, a big corporation um, the um, and but it's it's communication so we we really try to separate what is our release plan this is this is a live service so we have content that is being delivered every week basically to the players and then um uh, communicating time horizons uh if you know yes we want to know what is happening in in a year but and this is like a rolling wave so what is happening in a year from now but but actually Things will change it's not like it's a disclaimer it's not it's not even uh things can change it's like things will change and uh, and then communicating it like visually in a way that makes it clear that it's so uh, this is um, this is stuff that we don't really know like we are um, thinking that this is what's going to happen and these are the things that are coming soon and it's like week after week uh, but then when it comes to software development, which is a lot less predictable than content, then it's uh, it's more about communicating the the focus areas. So we what we try to do is, is um, uh, an outcomes-based, uh, like the typical format of this is what this team is working on today, this is the right focus right now, and then what they are considering to do next and the, what they might do in the future, but that is no dates uh, assigned to this kind of roadmaps. And um, the moment that we put a date, it can become a minefield. Uh, um, and uh, and for the players, uh, we do communicate uh, a mo- on a monthly basis. So we communicate what is the content that is coming next month, uh, because we know we are confident that this is something that we can deliver because we have already produced it. And, and it's more, and what happened with our audience is is kids. So kids, they we realized that they had anxiety. They didn't know what was going to be released until the day of the release. And, and then we have started to um, publish this. It's not that we have been doing that for that long. It's been a few months now, but that actually uh, has created a really positive impact. It's like the players are happy that they know what's coming and they're not so anxious. And... Um, Uh, And obviously there is, we don't give them all the details. It's more like this is dropping uh, maybe an image or something, but uh, there will still be surprises there. So it's not like we're spoiling everything.
2: Yeah, it's... um... Like, I mean, I agree with all the above said, and uh, it's indeed uh, like very much depending on the audience. I mean, uh, the way how you structure everything. I think that we tend to have like major like two types of Uh, of roadmaps like one is more like can be more granular and focus more like for the devs basically and answering their needs and the one is more like high level and there were many discussions about how to maybe bring this together because obviously like ideally you should have like one source of truth because yeah i mean this is just for convenience so to say but it's really really hard sometimes you know to meet in the middle and to understand like okay so which level of granularity we should uh chase in this or that case um I think that like, my personal approach here is that the good roadmap is the one that is uh, like used actually and updated and is uh, reliable again. So, um, I mean, it's really important to uh, align with a team like with those people who's going to use it and uh, like as a reference or is uh, like at no point like um, uh, based off for discussions, etc. Uh, what they actually uh, want from it, right? And uh, Kind of try to really keep it in mind that this is a living document. This is something that we really um, want to keep using and we want it to be of help rather than just, you know, something that we update and that's it. So when you think about it from this angle, you realize that, yeah, well, sure, that we can uh, actually maybe uh, have, uh, um, I don't know, two separate roadmaps, I don't know, for different purposes because this is just will be super good and uh, for like being publisher and being deaf. I think this is actually like uh, um, uh, structured in this like philosophy a bit better because you kind of can keep these things a bit separately, so to say. So yeah, for me, it's like uh, making sure that uh, all the needs of people who are using their dog are actually met Uh, and yeah, we can we can actually use it.
1: How about you, Max? Yeah, I, I quite like the the things there. I mean, I think when you're discussing what you present uh, to to the public, as Luis was discussing, you know, where you have, let's say, more detail for the upcoming months or whatever period your your team and your particular work allows you to be confident in, and be very clear that the. Uh, uh, later and is subject to change and will change. And using that to get the people happy or anxious or you know get that feedback ball going, that can be a nice tool for a game maker to, to tease out the sentiment of people around specific features that could happen, or specific content, as it were. That's great. Uh, I quite like the what Mathias also Matthew, sorry uh, mentioned in the beginning around having like kind of. Uh, a roadmap. You can drill down in at different layers or levels. Where you can have more visionary things and start drilling down a bit more into you know activities and others. That can help kind of zoom in, zoom out at different levels. Um, I know on my side, I have also tried kind of doing the the, the public thing of having. Uh, later uh, stuff in my roadmap that were more to tease a conversation to gauge interest to get some excitement going or you know figure out that there is no excitement and that those things should be other things uh, and, and that can be an interesting tool as well where you have that roadmap that's partly aspirational partly based on on correct planning and accurate planning for the the more close to us in time elements and that kind of uh, fluctuation across the board, i think is quite interesting
4: Yeah, uh, one book I often reference, is called uh, Escaping the Build Trap by Melissa mm-hmm. Perry. I should have it here on, on my desk. Uh, and that kind of goes to the transition Max was mentioning there, where you talk about what you want to build. You should do that for for the short term. Uh, I mean, the only way for like a game engine, internal gaming team like us to deliver any kind of value for EA, the mother company, is to build stuff, of course, so we need to build stuff. Uh, but we shouldn't do it just for the sake of it. Uh, so if we, for example, I mean, go into the build trap and only talk about all the features and a long, long backlog, and maybe try to forecast far into the future, uh, we, we might get into this trap, it might look good, we have a roadmap, it's lots of stuff on it. But uh, is it actually solving the big problems? It's very hard to tell. If you don't have that layer of some kind of strategic direction or results or whatever on top of it, because who who can tell if the sum of 150 individual features is going to make EA a prospect win in the future?
0: No one can make that puzzle in their minds. Very cool. All right. Um, so perfect amount of time for the final question from Lewis is how can we encourage inclusive collaboration when it comes to vision strategy and road mapping Lewis, do you want to give some context about what that question means to you?
3: yes um, I actually almost jumped into that because Anna actually brought it up the shared vision and I think this mm. is very connected to it um, for uh, for context uh, a status table for example is a live service and uh, we had many people working in 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 the service for many many years. So obviously, if um, we want people to be involved in everything that we do, um, the company to some extent is the poster child for diversity. But we also want to make sure that we have inclusion everywhere. So, and that it it is not just on the day to day what the teams are actually working on, but how can we actually Uh, make that inclusivity actually uh, shine also the point where we build a vision and the strategy and the roadmap. We've been working um, this year, we've been working with an independent game director and uh, she was the one that uh, actually has been helping us a lot with this. And um, um, her mandate was to work on the creative vision. Uh, This is something like we, we have a vision, but then we break. We have creative visions and technical visions. So the creative vision: What can we uh, do in order to update this? And then um, she came up with the well. It takes ability to raise a child, and this is a this is a this is a, a, a game that already exists and it's been here for a while. So we are going. It's not disruptive changes, but is um, you know small brush strokes, uh, but. She wants to involve a lot of people in it. So she wants the team that is working in it to be part of those vision changes and evolve the vision. And she's been doing a great job. And I just want to know if if you guys have had similar experiences where more than just a group of directors or have been actually in charge of the vision, it's been more inclusive of a larger group within the teams.
0: Fantastic. So I think it's uh, Anna's turn to start one off for a change. So do you want to take the lead here, Anna?
2: Yeah, sure. Well, that's a tricky one. (laughs) And uh, yeah, I mean, on the one hand, I totally agree that there's like strategy and uh, vision and they they should be shared, right? Because, yeah, this was uh, we already talked about. On the other, I do agree also that. to keep the conversations um like more focused uh, like and like i mean keep the involvements like controlled in a way it might be also beneficial because it will help us to stay focused on things um i think yeah there's um certain there are, there are certain ways how you can uh, keep this balance i think well answering your question about um what do we do? Like we do have uh, actually workshops when it comes to defining the vision and uh, we try to uh, put there not only directors, not only I reps, but also people from the development, people who are actually involved in build, building certain brand IP, whatever, right? So that they have a their chance to speak their mind and uh, provide their associations and what they feel is right and this is actually very insightful and very helpful and uh this make it really a shared thing and shared effort so to say so i can only say that this is working good in our case um yeah i mean another way to think about it is like you can like still involve lots of people but kind of make it in an unorganized way, like, I don't know, do a certain, like, Mm -hmm. people that are, like, um, responsible for this thing, like, uh, they're doing the thing, like, you know, responsible, like uh, uh, owning like informed or consulted so you kind of can you know control people like people's involvement like uh, who's actually driving uh, the conversations and trying to sum up people's opinions and who should be for example consulted or informed and they can still give the feedback but you don't have to have like you know uh, the meetings with hundreds of people that are like all providing something so it's important to have somebody who drives that so yeah this is for sure but you can still find your ways how to arrange the process and uh, yeah I mean this is how we try to do things recently and it's working pretty nicely I would say.
0: Nice. Max, Uh, Matthias. I
3: agree agree that it can become uh, (laughs) if you have a hundred people in there it's not going to work.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It can be fun Uh, though.
4: (laughs) uh, We're uh, I think I keep coming back to, to the word hierarchy. Uh, we're a pretty big company, EA. And uh, so, so we have we a uh, problem of scale. Uh, so we do, uh, I mean, in terms of uh, building vision strategy in an inclusive way, we do have the things that was alluded to, I mean, uh, a group of more senior leaders get together during a, a summit. Uh, we actually try to have quite a few People are from all disciplines it's not just product managers it's uh, engineering managers uh, program managers uh, technical directors I mean, hashed out or kind of, i mean recently a three day or night i guess uh, vidcon uh, but then once we have that uh, i mean it's also a, a kind of a grooming exercise we don't recreate the vision and strategy every time but we need to kind of tune it and maybe change direction in some area uh, but then we have something we call uh, scouting missions. Uh, and before we can make a big pivot for, for new strategic goal, uh, we actually send a group of uh, uh, people that know this space mean, uh, make sure, sure that they have time to do this mission, uh, do some research, uh, meet uh, rather regularly to figure out more about the problem space or the challenge that we would be addressing with those opportunity, like is there enough opportunity in this space? Uh, maybe do some research or test some ideas. Uh, and that's also a way to, to include much more people in the strategic conversation. Uh, not by having all of them in a the room, but at least you get to contribute to, to significant part by participating in one of those uh, organized
1: uh, scouting missions. Yeah, I think the, the scouting part of what Melis is saying is is about also kind of breaking the silos and having quite a lot more talks across crafts, across disciplines uh, to ensure that there is kind of always this constant awareness of the other people, or the disciplines that could be affected, that should be heard or that should be uh, brought into discussions Uh you know, the, the classic of the gaming industry where it's like, remember to tell the, the audio craft that, you know, you have this new feature that will need some audio or the UI or the QA. Uh, Louis laughing here because he knows mm-hmm. what I'm talking about. <laughs> and, and that's the thing, right? It's, you have to remember the other folks. Uh, I know here at uh, Avalanche, we have a system where it's like uh, of crafts where, you know, all the tech artists are in one craft and you could go and you know, barge into their meetings and be like, hey, I'm building this thing. Does it... Mean anything to you, should what you know what could it do for you, and even if it's maybe tangential to whatever you were setting up to build, but reach out, make sure those people are there in the discussion can chime in, and that when, yes, eventually there is some vision or strategy workshop uh, at some higher level that there has been prior discussions of some people in the room that will be able to represent some of the you know other crafts that are not necessarily there. That there is someone who can be the voice of those people, and that goes through, yeah, breaking silos, not being afraid of, you know, going to talk to someone who's not directly, quote unquote, reporting to you or directly on your project, but that could be tangentially affected, uh, and making sure there is some empathy between the groups so you understand what's the the pain uh, or the benefits of using your product, your game, and uh, how your processes can affect the other the other crafts. I think that that is important uh thing to keep those conversation cross-discipline going so that it's not just a punctual exercise in time to uh just bring in somebody else's picture and then just let them go back at it but that it's kind of always on your mind that there are more people than what you think that probably should be a part of it that you can sort of represent them at least the early stages and bring them in when needed Um, and there is a lot of disciplines in the game industry that everyone has to have constantly in mind when when working, which is I think maybe part of our challenge as well.
0: Fantastic. What's your opinion on that, Lewis? What everyone uh,
3: said? I love all the insights, yes. Um That's really
4: it. Yeah. thank you. I have a, a bit of a mundane maybe a commentary, but I, I think it might be often overlooked. I would like to hear from you. So when we talk about vision and strategy, uh, it's uh, I think it's you're not getting anywhere unless it's captured well, succinctly, consistently, in a kind of memorable way, and yeah. made make it accessible. Uh, and that sounds easy, and maybe this is easy for everyone. But our vision and strategy tends to be kind of spread out over multiple decks with different language and different decks and different I mean more senior leaders have interpreted the strategy a bit slightly different today in their decks uh, or presentations it doesn't hold together and there's no like one source of truth, truth that's actionable. Uh, And I mean, if you want to have inclusion, I think that's of fundamental importance that you you have at least one artifact to to circle around and work on.
0: Fantastic, right? Um, just like to thank you uh, for getting involved and you know sharing your experiences on a very important topic. So thank you so much.